I invite you now to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. It is always interesting to me to listen to good storytellers, to people who can take a story and give it such meaning and importance. And it's always interesting to me to listen to two people tell the same story. You can take two people and tell the same story and one can be interesting and the other will be dull. It's just the power of a storyteller. Or you can take the same story and get a different message out of the story. They come from two different angles, two different positions. And it's not that they're exaggerating or lying. They're just looking at it from different perspectives. For instance, if you ask Ryan Newell to explain what happened at Ohio State last night, he'll give you one telling of the story. If you ask Andrew Rice or Doug Caldwell or myself to tell the same story, it's going to sound a lot different. Several points different. <laughs> same story, though. The same story. Garrison Keeler, for over 30 years, used to come on every Saturday and tell about a place where the women are strong, the men are good-looking, and the children are all above average. And he told that story in the Prairie Home Companion in such such a a way that it would bring you into the story. And he said he would meet people on on the streets and they would ask him, where is that place? I want to go visit it. It was all made up. But he was such a good storyteller that it would bring you into the story in a way that you felt like you were there. And I think all four gospel writers do the same thing. Inspired by the Spirit of God, they go about telling the story of Jesus. A true story, I believe. But when you read the Gospels, pay attention to how they tell their story. They don't always tell them the same way. They don't always emphasize the same thing. Sometimes they'll move tellings around to emphasize, to bring out a point. And I think with our text this morning that you find a great illustration of this. It's not that anyone is lying. It's not like Mark and Matthew have a disagreement on where to put certain stories. It's that Mark has an agenda and Mark has a focus and Matthew is emphasizing something different. So in Mark chapter 1 today, we come across the telling of Jesus calling his disciples, or at least four of them. Here we are 14 verses into Mark and Jesus begins his public ministry. Repent, believe the gospel, the kingdom of God is at hand. And by the time verse 15 arrives of Mark's opening chapter, Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee and he calls two sets of brothers. Simon, Andrew, James, and John. Now in the face of Mark's telling, this is interesting in and of itself. You see, typical teachers and rabbis philosophers of Jesus' day weren't necessarily known for making recruiting trips. Typically, the students all came to them. And here in Mark's telling, Jesus is going out to seek them. But it's shocking in the way Mark tells the story. Here Jesus is walking by the sea. He calls these brothers, interesting brothers really. Mark says in verse 18 that Peter and Andrew immediately left their nets, and followed him. In verse 20, James and John immediately, one of Mark's favorite words, 
Immediately they left their father in the boat and they followed him. James and John seem to own a boat. They've got their father and they've got their, their offshore fishing and they've got their father. They're running the business. They've got hired hands. James and John seem to be part of a family business. Peter and Andrew fishing from the side of the bank. It may just be coincidence, may not be anything to it, but they're different families and different backgrounds. And Mark says they immediately leave it behind. Now, does that make a lot of sense to you? I mean, think about it. This is Mark's telling of the story. Jesus has only preached one sermon or started preaching these sermons in verse 14. And Mark's telling of the story, the brothers are out fishing. They probably didn't even get to hear the sermon Jesus preached. In Mark's telling of the story, Jesus has done zero miracles to this point. In Mark's telling of the story, Jesus has done no personal Bible study with them at this point. And in Mark's telling of the story, when Jesus arrives and Jesus says, follow me, Mark says, immediately, they left it all and they followed him. Does that make any sense to you at all? Imagine Zebedee. Here is two sons. You've got the family business. You've been out fishing. You're raising them to take over the family business. You're going to have the boat in the the hired hands and I'm going to go retire. Not that they did that in the first century, but just play along. He's got all these plans to hand it down to him. And here they are working hard one day and this guy just walks along the seashore and says, Hey, come with me. They don't have a long conversation with their dad. They don't think this through in the Gospel of Mark. Mark says immediately they left them behind. And poor Zebedee's sitting there with the hired servants, having to take in the fish and clean them and carry them to market because his two sons found this itinerant preacher who just walked by, called them, and they left everything behind. Does that make any sense to you? It didn't to a 4th century writer named Jerome who said, he said there must have been something divinely compelling in the face of the Savior. Otherwise, these men would not have acted so irrationally as to follow a man they had never seen before. (laughs) Jesus must have had a special glow about him. Maybe he was floating as he called them. But whatever it is, Jesus calls them and Mark says immediately. Maybe you're more comfortable with Luke's telling. Luke is the the gospel writer who says you've got to count the cost. Don't don't start a building before you know how much it's going to cost. Don't go to war unless you know how many soldiers you're going to need. Luke gives you five chapters before Jesus calls Peter. Peter. And in those five chapters of Luke, Jesus is taught in synagogues, reports about him have spread, he's healed a man with an unclean spirit, he's done some great things. Of course, by the time Jesus gets to Peter and Luke, of course it makes sense to follow him. In Luke, he borrows Peter's boat, 
And Jesus uses the boat to speak to the people. They get to shore. Peter sees this miraculous catch of fish. And so when Jesus calls Luke, or when Jesus calls Peter in Luke's story, Peter says, of course, you knew how to catch fish. None mark. 16 verses. Follow me. And they go. Or maybe you're more comfortable with the way John tells the story. John gives you 35 verses before calling Andrew. And when he calls Andrew, you find out Andrew has been a servant or a, a disciple of John the Baptist. And at least has heard John the Baptist say, this is the Lamb of God. So that when Jesus comes to Andrew, Andrew follows. And then Andrew goes to get Peter and says, hey, Peter, I found the Messiah. At least in John, you get 35 verses. But not in Mark. In Mark, it's 16 verses. No miracles. No deep Bible study. Just Jesus walking by the sea and He says, follow me. And Mark tells you that immediately, they did it. Why would Mark tell a story that way? It seems unreasonable. It seems like it just doesn't seem well thought through. And it's not as if they've got it all figured out when Jesus shows up and says, follow me. Because you keep reading Mark's story and you're going to find out there's a lot they don't get. In chapter 4, when Jesus calms the storm, the same disciples ask, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey Him? You tell me you followed Him. Or you get some foolish things. This James and John that Jesus calls here are the same James and John who in chapter 10 of Mark's story is going to say, Hey Jesus, will you do anything we ask you? Because we want to sit at your right hand and your left hand when you come in your kingdom. Will you do that for us? Same James and John. These are the same ones that when Pilate sends the soldiers and, and Judas comes with this band of soldiers to arrest Jesus, they split. But not here. In Mark chapter 1, when Jesus calls them, they go immediately. Why would Mark tell the story in such an impractical way? There is a contrast later in Mark's Gospel. Also in chapter 10, when a, a rich young man comes to Jesus, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you keep the commandments. And this rich young man in chapter 10, in essence, says, been there, done that. And Jesus says, okay, there's one thing you lack. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. Only this time, unlike James and John and Andrew and Peter, who left everything immediately, this man refuses to leave anything at all. Mark says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for they had, for he had great possessions. There's a powerful contrast between immediately and going away sorrowful. I have a theory, and it's not just my theory, it's the theory of preachers and 
and academics and scholars that maybe Mark tells his story this way, in this moment, to ask you and me, what are you waiting for? He knew that some of his readers had heard of Jesus, had watched Jesus from a distance, but had not made any commitment to follow. It was, in the words of Kyle Eidelman, that they were more fans of Jesus than they were true followers of Jesus. Eidelman says, most of us don't mind Jesus making some minor change in our life, but Jesus wants to turn our lives upside down. Fans don't mind Him doing a little touch-up work, but Jesus wants a complete renovation. Fans come to Jesus thinking a tune-up, but Jesus is thinking an overhaul. Fans think of a little makeup is fine, but Jesus is thinking of a makeover. Fans think of a little decorating is required, but Jesus wants a complete remodel. Fans want Jesus to inspire them, but Jesus wants to interfere with their lives. This message has stuck with me this week. Immediately, they left it all. Because when I hear Mark tell this story, it makes me think of people in this building who have responded to the gospel like some of these men did. There are people in this auditorium who have left behind so much to accept the calling of Jesus Christ. You've left behind relationships that were toxic and standing between you and God. And when you heard the call of Jesus Christ, you immediately went. There are people in this auditorium who have walked away from drugs and alcohol and gangs because when you heard the call of Jesus, you followed Him. And all of this because Jesus invited you to follow Me. And you don't pretend to have it all figured out. But when Jesus says, follow, you follow. But there are also some of us who have sat in this church building our entire lives. And we've played around the edges of faith. But you've never budged an inch to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. There are some of you who have stood off and listened to sermon after sermon about Jesus the Christ. The Savior who comes to proclaim the kingdom of God has arrived. You've sat in this auditorium and you've sung every song that's been led. You've you've participated in VBS and you've come to fellowship meals and you've been part of youth group activities. But you still sit there without answering the call of Jesus to follow me. And I know you're out there because because your husbands and your wives, your sons and your daughters have talked to me and the elders. I just want them to become a Christian. I just want them to believe in Jesus. They're good people. They do lots of stuff, but they've never made the commitment. And you know who you are. And Jesus stands there and says, follow me. And you've heard preacher after preacher echo that call. And you sit and you sit. Why does Mark tell the story the way he does? 
Because Mark is saying it's time to go. It's past time to sit, admiring from a distance. It's time to move. And that may be where you are this morning. If you think you have to have it figured out before you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, let me remind you, the disciples had lots of ducks who did not walk in any row. Peter will sink. All of them will flee. Every last one of them will scratch their heads as they watch the crucifixion. But when Jesus said go, they followed. And in time, they were remade in His image. If you were waiting to figure it out, there's not a single person in this auditorium who has. Do not wait to become a disciple until you can answer every question. So Jesus says, follow me. And they do. It's a remarkable telling of a story you find also in Matthew and Luke and John. And Matthew, Luke and John are all true. And they're all right in their telling of the story. But Mark zooms in to this one issue of discipleship. And he calls you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mark tells his story in a remarkable way for a reason. I like what Barbara Boyd, a a scholar, how she once described this scene. She said, if the distance between earth and the sun, which is 92 million miles, was the thickness of a piece of paper, the diameter of our galaxy would be a stack of papers 310 miles high. And our galaxy is less than a speck of dust in a part of the universe that we can see. And that part of the universe might just be a speck of dust compared to other universes. And if Jesus is the Son of God who holds all of this together with the word of His power, is this the kind of person you ask into your life to be your personal assistant? Mark says, let me tell you the story. Beginning in chapter 1. I'm going to tell you the story of Jesus the Christ who is the Son of God. And I'm going to tell you this story of John the Baptist and the prophets all before Him who come to announce that this is the one we're waiting on. And let me tell you the story of God at His baptism. This voice of God rings out from heaven and says, That's my Son. I'm pleased with Him. And let me tell you, when He calls, you answer. And so Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee. The Son of God, the prophetic answer, And he says, follow me. And for Mark, that is not something you sit down and think, I wonder if that's a good idea. For Mark, it's not something that's even questionable. For Mark, when the Son of God says, follow me, you leave everything behind and you follow immediately. 
I think that's why Mark tells the story the way he does. Because he leaves it there to ask, how are you going to respond? Some of you have already done that. And some of us need to do that. There is no greater story than the one found in the Gospels. And when God calls you, you've got to answer. He created you. And now He calls you. So this morning we offer the invitation of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus who walked by Galilee and said, follow me. And we gratefully offer the same invitation to you this morning. If you need to make that decision to begin that walk in the name of Jesus Christ today, we pray for you and we stand ready to greet you in the name of Jesus as you answer that call while we stand and sing.